a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. An anomaly, properties undiscernible to mere peasants. Use weapons that level entire area. Scarier than an outbreak. It's the episode you've been waiting for here on the Million Dollar Plan. Yes, I've made an allusion to a particular concept for several months now. And I keep saying, we'll do a whole episode on it. Well, today is that day. We're doing an entire episode dedicated to the concept of power percentage. It's something that I created myself. Therefore, you can't argue with it because it's mine. No, it is the perfect way to measure how efficient you are in your financial life. We're going to do that the entire episode this week of the uh, Million Dollar Plan. I'm super excited this week for several reasons. Number one, I'm wearing a different pair of headphones. They call them cans in the biz. I don't know why I switched this week. It just felt necessary. So I'm wearing a different pair of headphones. Uh, so that doesn't affect your life. Uh, number two this week, I'm excited because uh, a major point that a lot of financial experts often make was proven yet again when the panic server, uh, surrounding the election uh, caused markets uh, after hours to flail and fall and get nasty. And then when everyone took a deep breath, Markets recovered and ended at uh, all-time highs, right? The, the night of the election on Tuesday, then the, when we elected a new president, uh, markets fell $1 trillion worth of market capitalization. The S&P 500 specifically fell by a capitalization of $1 trillion. But by the close of business the next day, close of business on Wednesday, the market was up $1.3 trillion, thus making 3 hundred billion dollars if people just settle down proving once again there's no need to panic and have your investments uh, suffer for your panic but enough about that we're not talking investing this week we are talking all about how do you measure your financial efficiency in other words or another way to say it or think about it is how do you measure how good you're doing financially? Like if I come up to you on the street, I'm like, hey man, how's it going? I like your shirt. Sometimes I just start with a compliment, even if I don't mean it. It's an insincere compliment. Hey man, how's it going? I like your shirt. How's your financial life going? What you say next all depends on what you value, right? You know, what, what you value about your financial life. If you value not being stressed out and you currently aren't stressed out, then you'll say, it's great. If you value having a great credit score and you currently have a great credit score, you will say, it's great. If you value efficiency of your income, and I ask you, you will say, great. But what is the most important measure? Well, we can talk about what the, the, the dumb measures are. I think measuring your financial life on your credit score is ridiculous. Uh, I, I look no further than, frankly, 10, 15 people you know that have got great credit scores but are a financial disaster. Like, how's it going with your financial life? It's great. I've got amazing credit. I've got tons of debt, no savings, but people let me borrow more money, so things are great. That's what they're saying, right? What if you just value stress? 
uh, a lack of stress, I should say. And, and uh, you're not doing anything because sometimes budgeting is hard. Sometimes saving money is hard. Investing is hard. And you choose not to address any of those things because you value a lack of financial stress. And so if I say, how's it going? You say, great. What you could mean is, great, I'm not doing anything because I'm terrified and I don't like stress, so I'm not trying. This is the equivalent of, I don't lift weights because I don't like to be sore. I don't run because I don't like to be out of breath. I don't do aerial silks because I don't want to fall on my head. Google aerial silks. I'm not going to spend my time explaining to you what it is. But if you value your income's efficiency, you will never fail. So here's the premise. Uh, think, think of it this way. Let's say in retirement, your income and your household gets cut in half. And let's just say that. Don't, don't, don't argue the point. Just say, let's say your income gets cut in half in retirement. Okay. That's where we're at right now. We're cut in half. Now, what will it take for you to be able to handle that? and adjust to that. What, what, what do you have to do in your life? Well, in order to live a full life on less money, isn't efficiency the way to do it? Right? You're trying to break your dependency on that 50% of your income that is going away. Therefore, you don't spend that money now and you use that money to build up your coffers so that you can create an income that is somewhere equal to the 50% of money uh, that we're talking about. So this idea, we created this metric earlier this summer. We've been testing it. I love it. Uh, I created it for myself. And the idea is called power percentage. And again, it measures efficiency. So this entire episode is dedicated to how efficient you are with your income. So at, before we take our first break of the day here, uh, I want to tell you the first number you're going to have to find. You may have to go digging through some stuff to find your answers. And you know what? Good. <laughs> it's unlikely you know this stuff off the top of your head. If you do, good. But it's unlikely that you understand all of this stuff right off the bat in terms of what the numbers are. So the first number you're going to have to track down is your gross monthly income. Gross monthly income. Now, of course, as you know, uh, gross does not mean ew. It means before taxes. Okay. So let's say for instance, your annual income as a household is $100,000. Then your uh, monthly income is $8,333.33. That's your gross income. Now, even if your take-home pay off that 8333.33 is $6,200 a month, don't really care. I care about your gross income. So here's, some people don't know their gross income. Uh, it's sort of strange. I don't understand why they don't understand that, but this is one you should know. You should know your annual income. Now, if you happen to be on commission, then just take the last 12 months of commission uh, plus base that you've had. If you happen to be an hourly worker that has overtime, just do the math with your regular 40 hours plus your time and a half and, and, and add it all up. So that's the starting point. Now, you're, oh, did I mention you're going to need some materials for this? You're going to need a, a piece of paper and a writing utensil. I don't care what you use, right? So you're going to take, and then right at the very top of the, fra the, the page, you're going to write uh, monthly gross income, whatever the number is, okay? For the sake of our example today, 
we're gonna have to use some round number. So uh, let's say it's 5,000 bucks, which would mean your, your gross household income is $60,000, okay? Whether that's just you or you and a significant other, or I don't really care. It's just call it 60,000 bucks, okay? So $5,000 gross monthly income is you are what you are writing at the top of your paper. Next, what we want to measure is how efficient you are with that gross income. So what you need to do is we're gonna list out below, well below that $5,000, we're gonna list out the good things you do with that money. Let's begin with the first deduction from that money if you have an employer-sponsored retirement plan, a 401k or a 403b or something like that. So let's say 10% of your income goes toward uh, your 401k. If you have a $5,000 gross monthly income and 10% goes to your 401k, then we know, and you're writing this below, 500 bucks is what flows in your 401k that month. Did you get the math there? I don't want to go too slow. Don't want to go too fast. Just want to go the right speed. Right. So uh, $5,000 a month times 10% for the contribution is 500 bucks. Now, we've got to make up some stuff here. Uh, we're also going to include your company's match if they happen to have an employer match to incentivize you to prepare for retirement. In this case, again, we are totally making things up. I'm going to say it is 5%. What's a little aggressive. I mean, it's unlikely that your employer's is 5% but let's say it is. So then 5% of $5,000 gross monthly income is 250 bucks. So, so far it's uh, 500 and 250 are the numbers we have written down. Okay. So uh, as soon as you put money in your 401k, you put in 10%, but 15% flows in because of the match. So, so far we know a $5,000 gross monthly income, $750 of it goes to a very good use. And that's where we'll pick it up after the break. This is the Million Dollar Plan, and I'm Pete the Planner. Stop what you're doing! And hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner! Question the right of any man. The voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. Camouflaged by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Revamp the camp again. Put down the stamp again. Talk to my fans again. Renew my brand again. All right, we're back here on the million dollar plan. If you're just joining us, you need to question your priorities. Where you been? Okay. So we are talking uh I'm speaking in uh, absolutes and superlatives today, by the way. Uh, We are dealing with the absolute best way to measure how you're doing financially. Uh, In the first segment, we talked about the ways not to do that, which include your credit score. Of course, you don't want to use your income as a measure. That doesn't make any sense. You don't want to use your stress level as a measure. We want to know how efficient you are with your income. That's how I know how you are doing financially. And I created this in the spring summertime, because I asked myself that exact question, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, handsome man in the mirror. And there, there was somebody standing behind me, but then, then I started talking to myself, uh, Pete, um, how are you doing? There's a lot of pressure with teaching money to millions of people a week. Just, just so you know, if I'm being honest, you hold me accountable 
to my own financial goals. No, it's not that, oh, you buy my stuff and therefore I make a bunch of money and that's how you hold. No, uh, when I say something aloud in front of uh, uh, thousands and thousands of people or I write it in my column and millions of people read it, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm terrified of hypocrisy. So you hold me accountable. So I wanted to know how am I doing in relation to all this advice I give? And so I created what I call the power percentage, trademark uh, pending, uh, power percentage. And the power percentage tells me how I'm doing. So before the break, we said we we're going to have a $5,000 gross monthly income. So right at the top of your page uh, or whatever your uh, income is. And in our example, we said at a 10% 401k match, which means 500 bucks of that $5,000 is set aside for the future. We had a $250 match, which is a 5% match in this hypothetical situation. By the way, you, you do know you're doing your numbers. You're not just recreating the numbers that I'm doing. That'd be, that'd be a bad use of your time. So you're supposed to use your numbers. Don't write the numbers I'm saying. Just write your numbers. Okay. So whatever your employer matches, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, I have an example as they call it next, however much money you save slash invest over the course of a month on top of your 401k or retirement plan. This could be a Roth IRA, traditional IRA. This could be uh, a 529 plan for your kid. This could just be a brokerage account, a robo advisor. I don't really care, but basically any amount of money you set aside to save for emergencies or set aside for the long term. Here's what you cannot include the money you put into your vacation account, the money you put into your Christmas account, uh, anything that you know you're going to consume nearly immediately, you cannot include that amount of money on a monthly savings uh, option as we go through this. And by the way, I mentioned earlier in the show that I'm wearing a new pair of headphones this week for no particular reason. They're a backup pair I have in my studio. And I've, I've uh, uh, figured out once again why I don't normally wear them. They're over the ear. Now my ears are sweating. So I'm here trying to change your life and I got sweaty ears and that just doesn't feel mutually beneficial. I'm going to go back to the earbuds at the break. Actually, I'm going to do it right now. Hold stand by. Stand by. Okay, we're moving stuff around. Stand by. I cannot hear anything right now. Okay, going back. Okay, here we go. All right, I'm back to these headphones. Turn them. Oh, okay, that's so much better. Jeez. Who came up with... Oh, and now my ears are just sweating. I have very athletic ears. Okay, so then you add the savings or investments that you do on a monthly basis. Oh, these earbuds are so much better. Why did I switch? I'm all thrown off by the election. Next, you want to add in any amount that goes towards paying back your mortgage principal on a monthly basis. Okay, so your mortgage payment is broken down into a few different pieces. There's the principal repayment. There's the interest payment, and then there's the escrow, which is property taxes and insurance. And you might even have PMI, which is private mortgage insurance, if you don't have enough equity in your home. I want to know, and this is what you're going to have to look up because you probably don't know this. I want to know how much of your mortgage payment that you pay every month, if you happen to be a homeowner, is going to increase your net worth by my measure. I want to know how much of that mortgage is being paid down. How much debt are you eliminating with that income payment? Okay. In this example, I'm using 400 bucks. Personally, uh, this is why a 15-year mortgage to me is great because it forces you to pay back the principal faster. And a lot of people say, well, I'd rather have a 30-year mortgage and invest the difference. Okay, great. Uh, my power percentage here that we're figuring out will account for that. If you invest a bunch on the side because you have a 30-year mortgage and you like the cash flow, then great. It'll account for that. If you said you're going to do that and you don't, well, you're about to get called out as a liar, which I don't mind. 
It seems aggressive, but isn't that where we're at? Next, debt pay down. The next thing you're adding to this list is debt pay down. How much debt do you pay down on a regular basis? And there is a list of things that don't count. No transportation. None. None. If you have a $300 a month car payment, do not put it on here. Do not care. Student loan debt pay down? Yes, you can put it on there. Medical bill pay down? Yes, you can put it on there. If you use a credit card and pay it off at the end of each month, you cannot put it on there. We are measuring how much of your income increases your net worth, which is either pay down debt or save slash invest money. If you are paying, if you're truly paying down debt, those payments every month can be included in this figure. So here's where we got so far. A little bit of a, a recap, as they call it in the business. $5,000 is the example I'm using for gross monthly income. You, your number is your number. The hypothetical 401k deposit is 10%, which is 500 bucks. The match is hypothetically 5%, which is 250 bucks. The amount that you're saving uh, hypothetically here is 300 bucks a month. Your mortgage principal repayment amount within your uh, mortgage payment itself is hypothetically 400 bucks. And the amount you're putting towards debt hypothetically in this example is $200. That is a total of $1,650. So of the $5,000 gross monthly income that we're using as an example, our example person, we should probably name them. What should we name him? How about uh, Barry? I think Barry is a good name. So Barry has a $5,000 gross monthly income. He has $1,650 of that gross monthly income that we've just accounted for with savings, investment, and debt reduction for a total of 33% of his... This is where the advanced math comes in. If you've passed third grade math, that's where you uh, become comfortable with division. You're going to take whatever amount that we, the total of the list we just did. So in this case, 1,650, and you're going to divide it by your gross monthly income. So 1,650 divided by 5,000 equals 0.33. And if you've ever worked with percentages before, you know that means 33%. Okay. So now I'm explaining how to use a calculator. How do you like that? So you type in 1650 divided by 5000. And you're going to get the answer 0.33, which you know is 33%. After the break, I'm going to tell you the scale. Because it's great that you've got this power percentage now. This person's uh, Barry, by the way, his name is Barry, uh, is 33%. What does it mean? Why does it matter? And what do you do if your power percentage stinks? All that and more after the break. This is like American Idol, where all the stuff you really want to hear, they just keep pushing back further. Ryan Sacrest is up there just reading off names and then it's like after the commercial break. So I will tell you what all this means after these messages. I'm Pete the Planner and this is the Million Dollar Plan. Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher, ATFU, Snaptown, yeah. Yeah, y'all ain't hip yet. 
cashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rearview don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of boss player. Not from the Himalayas, but my fam gave me every Indiana game. Grew up around the country, but the mindset was there. Ain't I won't complain about a damn thing on this beat. Axe hand got it slapping. Glass house, keep it funky. Work to the jams, drums clicking, clapping, grooving. This is the rhetoric when I'm in motion, floating, coasting. And we're back. Hi, Pete Planner. You're in the Million Dollar Plan. Uh, I wanted to tell you something this week. I read a USA Today column about a friend. Uh, I might do a show about this coming up, but I'll tell you briefly. You know what? I'm going to do a show about it, so I'm not going to tell you much about it. I, I wrote a real story in my column this week about a friend who had a eye-opening experience with his physician. Uh, so I'll tell you what that means in a different show. How's that for a tease? Man, that's obnoxious. All right, go to PeteThePlanner.com if uh, you want to learn more about whatever. I'm such a salesman. I'm a salesman. Um, okay, so before the break, we figured out your power percentage. We took your total that you've put towards your 401k, what your employer matches, what you've saved and invest in a given month, the mortgage principal pay down, and anything you've paid in debt. We totaled all those up, and we divided by your gross monthly income. The example we had was a total of 1650 bucks towards all those good things, divided by the gross monthly income of five grand, which gave us a 33% power percentage. So now I know what you're thinking. Okay, well, how 30, what does that mean? Here's what it means. If your power percentage is 10% or less, you are in deep, 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 I'm trying to hit the P pop there, trouble, big trouble. If you're below 10%, if your power percentage is below 10%, here's what it tells me about you. You either don't make very much money, which, which then arguably still uh, is a bad thing economically. No offense, but it's true. Uh, B, you use all of your money for your lifestyle. And that's the more realistic option. This is where you have to be honest with yourself. Because if less than 10% of your money is going to move you forward by getting out of the debt or by saving or investing money, that means you're consuming your income. So even if you, if you have debts, that means you're not paying them. And even worse, let's say you don't have debts, it means you're not saving money. I think one of the big mistakes that people think is just because they're not in debt and maybe they have an emergency fund saved, that they're okay. But if their power percentage stinks, then they're not okay. I've had this discussion with people and it's an eye-opening discussion because what you find is, man, you're complacent. Man, you're not efficient. Man, you're measuring yourself by the absolutely wrong metrics. You're using your credit score. You're using some fictitious stress level. You're using your income. You're using what's in your savings account. None of that stuff matters. It's how efficient you are with your income. You will retire. You will step away. You'll become financially independent, income independent when your power percentage is sky high because that means you are not dependent on your work income. You can retire when your power percentage is sky high. Let's go on. If your power percentage is between 11 and 20%, eh, yeah. My scale is <laughs> below 10% is, oh man, 11 to 20% eh, that's spelled E-H. It means you're doing okay. You just need to make it go up. You know, it, it's funny, like your 401k is the easiest way to, to, to make this work. You know, you're supposed to put between 12 to 14% of your annual income, income and that includes your employer match. 
a, a way for the future. So if you achieve that, that's your power percentage is already 12 to 14% before anything else happens. If you max out your 401k, obviously it's more dependent on what your income is, but uh, max out is 18,000 or 24,000, depending on what your age is. So 11 to 20% is okay. It's okay. You're not in danger. I mean, if you're an 11, you're in danger, but it's got to keep climbing. Now, 21 to 34, you're doing good. You're doing good. I'm happy for you. You've got work to do, but you're doing good. So if we had to express that via sound, it'd be like, uh-huh. Okay. So uh, below 10% is, oh man, uh, 11 to 20% is, eh. And then a t- <laughs> 21 to 34% is, uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm childish, but you know this. Can you imagine if this is the first time that one someone's listening to the show today? I guess this show is pretty representative of what this show always is. And they're just like, what is this guy doing? It's all right. I'm comfortable with it. So uh, our hypothetical example is Barry. He used 1650 bucks of his gross monthly income of 5000 bucks. 33% was his power percentage. He falls within this third tier, the 21 to 34%. And since he's obviously at the high end of the tier, that's good. Well, what is the next tier? The next tier is 35% and above. And if you're at 35% or above, you are amazing. You are wonderful. You are breaking your dependency on your income. If you keep heading in the right direction, you will be able to easily retire because you are not too dependent on your income. Now, there's a couple factors here we have to go through. Number one, everyone wants to know when I tell them this, well, I'm going to use a voice here. Let's see what voice I want to go with. Well, Peter, what, uh, I don't know why I'm using this one. Peter, what's your power percentage? I don't even, I can't even identify that accent. My power percentage, thanks for asking, uh, sir, is, uh, it was a woman, just deep voice. Uh, my power percentage is 47%. 47% of my income is either saved or used to, and is to pay down my mortgage, right? Because I don't have any other debt. 47%. Now, if I hit my bonus at the end of the year, and I do with my bonus what I think I'm going to do with my bonus, and I spread it out throughout the year, then I'm up to about 51% of my income. Every penny pre-tax that comes into my house, I use to move me forward. I do not consume it. That's fantastic. Because that, when, when my mortgage is gone, what that says is I can eventually live on 49% of my income. Right? Because... I'm not using that 49%. I'm not using 51% of my income, I should say. So once you hit 45, in my opinion, your goal, by the time you're 45, you should be at 35%. And then over the next 22 years of your life, your goal is to shave off another percent a year, which is a little bit harder than you think, right? Because if your income goes up, then, um, and you don't save the entire amount, then your percentage actually goes down. But your goal from 45 on is to increase your power percentage by 1% a year. Now, it does help that as you pay off your mortgage, you're paying off more of the principal over time. Uh, you're paying, making less interest payments and paying down more of the principal. So that's a good thing. Hopefully, you've eliminated other obligations. But uh, I'm at 47%. 35% above is good. And here's where this gets a little scary. Um, I've seen situations when someone is in their late 50s, early 60s. They got a little bit of money set aside for retirement. 
but their power percentage is like 8%. And they say, well, how, reti- how is retirement looking? That's when I, I get sort of get to this, uh, like this comforting look on my face. And I say, terrible, sir, ma'am. Terrible. Because it is. The person's too dependent on their income. Unless you have an exorbitant amount of money set aside, invested for retirement, and your power percentage is 8%, you can't retire. You just can't. So power percentage manage, or measures your uh, income's efficiency right now, and it also tells you how close you are to being able to step away from your income. I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And yes, there's now homework. Do your power percentage. Do it. And then tweet me if you're on the Twitters. At Pete the Planner, just put your power percentage. 32% PP. That's for power percentage, not Pete Planner. 33%, 22%, 7%, whatever. And then you got to put together a plan to change it. If you get a pay raise and you absorb your pay raise, your power percentage goes backward. I don't care about your credit score. I don't care about how much money you make. I care about your power percentage. I don't care about your stress level. Maybe it should be higher. Maybe you're not trying. My wife ran a half marathon uh, the other weekend, and uh, when she got done, she was exhausted. Why? Because she tried. I saw other people finish. They didn't look exhausted, but they, she beat them by like an hour. They didn't try as hard as she did because they weren't exhausted. They low stress. So if they if they measured their experience by low stress, then by that metric they beat her. But unfortunately, she beat him by an hour. And yes, I live vicariously through my wife's uh, athletic uh, prowess. She's really fast. Um, so there we go. There's the power percentage. Take your gross monthly income, household income that is, then add together all of the following: your four hundred one k contribution, whatever the match is whatever you put in savings investment in a monthly basis, your mortgage principal pay down the, the, the part of your mortgage that pays down the principal every month. And then whatever you pay towards debt, which does not include transportation or paying off a credit card that you used in that month. You can't include that figure. Add those things up, take the, the number, the sum, and then divide by your gross monthly income that gives you your power percentage. If you're below 10%, you're in trouble. Between 11 and 20, eh. 21 and 34, uh-huh. And if you're 35 or above, you're good to go. There's the power percentage. Can't wait to hear the questions coming. If you have questions, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask Pete, A-S-K, Pete, at PeteThePlanner.com. Ask. I should also put ask Pete. Sometimes people say ask. Let me ask you something. A-K-S-K, Pete, at PeteThePlanner.com. I'm going to instruct my team to do that right now. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and a couple news stories. That's for you. Next. On the Million Dollar Plan, I'm Pete the Planner.
Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I gotta do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. This lays great errors to rest. Let me remain calm until it all calms down. Enjoying everything that's around. It's the power percentage edition of the Million Dollar Plan today, episode 120. Uh, so if you missed any part of the show, go to pizzaplanner.com and download the podcast. Uh, you don't want to miss this. So if you're listening on the radio, go to pizzaplanner.com and download the podcast and you can hear this show in its entirety. If you're listening on the podcast and you want to know how to listen to the podcast, uh, you're, you're just confused, dude. You're just really confused. Uh, this week's biggest waste of money of the week, the bomb, is... I'm pulling it up. I just all for a second. Is... Ooh, I have two things because I couldn't decide. I couldn't decide, so there's two things. Um, all right, the first is called the Craft House Cocktail Smoke Box. While you're likely familiar with how well meat responds to the smoking process, you might not be as well versed in the world of infusing cocktails with a savory smoke flavor. This Craft House Cocktail Smoke Box will give you that ability, taking your mixology skills to the next level. The great-looking piece of barware features a stainless steel frame with glass sides and a walnut base, a smoking gun, two trial-sized wood chip flavors, and recipes to help get you started. How much does it cost to put your cocktail in a box and blow smoke on it? 200 bucks. Okay, so I've had a smoked cocktail before because I'm obnoxious. My friend Nelio made me one. It was good, you know? It was fine. Is it worth me paying $200 to occasionally smoke a cocktail? No, it's not worth your money either. I mean, go, you go to a bar and if they have a smoked cocktail, have at it. Um, I don't know. This next item uh, for biggest waste of money of the week, I have yet to decide if it's a waste of money or good use of money. It's called the Chip Smart Cookie Oven. No matter how good they are, store-bought cookies just can't compare to homemade. That's true. Unless you bought homemade cookies from the store. The Chip Smart Cookie Oven lets you easily bake your own in 10 minutes or less. It uses a high-efficient carbon fiber heating element combined with a convection system to heat up instantly and ensure consistent airflow. Using a companion app, you scan the barcode off a pack of specially made dough pods, drop the dough in, and the oven does the rest, automatically adjusting the temperature and cooling down at just the right time to guarantee perfectly baked cookies every time pre-order it's a kickstarter for a hundred uh bucks okay so i'm gonna go with waste of money here you've got an oven you got a toaster oven like i don't think you need an app on your smartphone to make chocolate chip cookies this is the classic example of solving problems that don't exist can you make cookies in less than yeah you can make cookies in less than 10 minutes you know what you do you put them in your oven and you don't need specially made dough pods that I have to scan a barcode. 
this is like a Rube Goldberg. Like, just, just like, what's the hardest way can we can make cookies and try to convince people that's actually efficient? I don't, did I just start raging over cookies? It happens from time to time. So I would be remiss if I did not weigh in in some degree on the election. Uh, now, I'm not going to get political, so don't worry. Don't turn this off. I know you've heard enough about the election. But I, I want to just make some very uh, elementary observations from a financial perspective. Okay? Here's what I know so far. Upon the election of uh, President-elect Donald Trump, uh, here's what happened to different sectors of uh, the market. Bank stocks skyrocketed. And if you want to know why, it's because we're likely to be entering a period of deregulation, which means, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to oversimplify it to the detriment of everyone here, but when deregulation happens, it becomes a bit of a free-for-all. And I know that I'm, I'm spinning it in a negative way. And I'm just, again, I told you I'm oversimplifying it to the detriment to all of us. But when deregulation happens, then banks are free to, uh, let's call it be creative to make profits. You can go whatever direction you want with that. Now, leading up to election night, uh, gun stocks, gun manufacturers, uh, Smith & Wesson and a few others, we're really doing well because any time uh, in the recent time, I should say, if Hillary Clinton were to be elected, if she were elected uh, president, then what would happen is that people would be fearful that their firearms would be taken away, justified or otherwise. And so gun stocks would fly up because people would buy a bunch of guns until the uh, this hypothetical legislation went into process. Now, here's the issue. Hillary Clinton obviously was not elected, so gun stock got punched in the teeth on Wednesday, big time. Private prison companies skyrocketed uh, because of the feeling that there will not be a lot of criminal justice reform. And so private pensions, which had um, sort of fallen out of favor as our country looked at different ways to deal with uh, that particular part of the population, well... Uh, it looks like deregulation may be able to hit that industry as well. So mass incarceration seems like it's going to stay and continue. So that's a, I don't, man, that's awkward to talk about. Again, not political. It's just fact. Okay, so what else is going on with the election of uh, President Trump? You may see a lot of financial regulations go down. There's, there's talk that something called the Department of Labor Fiduciary Rule which is supposed to go into effect next year, may not, in fact, go into effect. Uh, there's a lot of chatter that it could fall apart. And um, Dodd-Frank legislation could fall apart. So um, there is going to be an economic impact. So far, um, I don't want to say so far so good, but I would say the market has favorably welcomed uh, a Trump presidency. But just stay tuned to different sectors and how they're affected. There are a lot of people that feel like uh, infrastructure stocks, stocks that help us uh, invest in infrastructure because President Trump, President-elect Trump says that he is going to uh, invest in the highways and roads and all those sorts of things. So maybe those are good places to invest. Consult your financial advisor. And that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Be good to each other. Um, we're going we're gonna to do this, all of us together. Uh, pay attention to your power percentage. If you miss the show, find it on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe get your podcast at the store, which would be a weird business model, kind of like a cookie oven with an app. All right, that's all I got. I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in my budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is a Million Dollar Plan. 
If you want to be on this podcast and Pete Fix Your Money Life, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. Released from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me E.T. Word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations. I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, trying can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, adjourn. and beats I burn. This I adjourn, and beats I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, trying can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?